Hello and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast series. Today's topic is our gut's microbiome and its connection to COVID. I'm joined by Dr. Ken Cadwell, the Reconati Family Professor of Microbiology, and Dr. Jonas Schluter, Assistant Professor at the Institute for Systems Genetics and Department for Microbiology. Both are calling in from NYU Langone Health in New York. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Cadwell, Dr. Schluter, welcome. Good to join you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, well, uh, this topic, uh, you see it everywhere in the papers these days, and I didn't actually hear the term microbiome until about four years ago, uh, but now it a, a, has a great deal of interest uh, as we read about uh, the gut's effect on overall health. But uh, this issue around COVID is new. We're going to get into that. But Dr. Cadwell, let's start with you. Why don't you give us just a little bit of background about the connection between our gut's microbiome and our overall well-being? Yeah, so the gut microbiome refers to these trillions of microbes, many of which are bacteria that uh, colonize and live in our gastrointestinal tract. And these are not only abundant, there's many of them, but they're pretty diverse and they have different types of activities. So they're constantly communicating with us and releasing things and taking up nutrients, right? And so that has a couple consequences for our physiology. Most of it is good actually in a healthy person. Uh, so one of them is digesting food. They help us uh, uh, get nutrients out of our diet. And the other one, which is uh, most relevant to what we're talking about today is the role in uh, promoting immunity. And so they not only communicate directly with our immune system and the cells of our bodies, uh, but they also uh, communicate with and block uh, infection by disease-causing microbes like nasty bacteria. Dr. Cadwell, maybe I'm imagining it, but I am reading a lot and seeing a lot more about the microbiome and its impact on health. Why, why am I seeing so much more today? I think a large part of that is that it's a relatively new field. And what we first had to do, right, uh, is to figure out what's there. And that took a lot of effort and a lot of technological innovation. So first you have to make the dictionary or encyclopedia, and then you can start figuring out what these bacteria and other microbes are actually doing there. And we're now seeing a lot of these studies really take off that are making progress in uh, this more molecular uh, understanding of the microbiome. Dr. Schluter, what happens when uh, the microbiome gets out of balance? How does that happen in the first place? And how would you even know if your gut was unhealthy in the first place? Yeah, that's a very good question. And of course, the factors that lead to what we call dysbiosis, which is when, as you said, the bacteria populations are out of balance, um, those factors are still subject to ongoing research. But there is a recurrent pattern that we observe Many factors associated with our industrialized lifestyle do contribute to changes in the microbial populations. That includes, of course, first and foremost, also dietary changes that lead to shifts relative to other populations. Um, but the most striking signal comes repeatedly, of course, from antibiotics. When we take oral antibiotics, these medications are targeting bacteria, they kill bacteria, and they also kill these bacteria that are normal residents of our flora. Well, both of you were recently part of a study that examined how COVID infection affects our gut. That was a kind of a new thing to read, um, or vice versa, of course. I want to talk about that. How did you first become interested in studying 
that connection between gut health and the microbiome? And what were the kind of key questions that you were looking to answer? Dr. Schluter, why don't you lead off? Yeah, so my lab has focused largely on studying cancer patients and the relationship between the microbiome and their immune system. But one thing that we've learned from cancer patients is that dysbiosis, when the bacterial populations are very different from what we see in healthy individuals, can lead to detrimental effects downstream. And one of the most striking ones is when gut bacteria translocate from the microbiome into the bloodstream and cause a secondary infection. Now, this is possible in cancer patients because their microbiome is very disturbed, the gut epithelium is leaky, and their, their immune cell populations in the blood are very low. So they have very little to fight a bacterium that translocates into the blood. And then in learning that during COVID in severe cases, early on, we see a decline in immune cell populations circulating in the blood. And knowing that, of course, these patients are also severely sick and have dysbiotic microbiomes, we were wondering if a similar thing could be observed, if, if there exists a similar risk to COVID patients that gut bacteria could translocate into the bloodstream. Do you find, like, uh, let's say there are other kind of pre-existing conditions that have uh, affected someone's response to COVID. Is it the case that COVID is causing these uh, disturbances in the microbiome or is somebody uh, susceptible because there is an issue already pre-existing with the microbiome? In part, of course, that is a very good question. You're asking a chicken and egg problem here. Is it that the disease leads to a dysbiotic microbiome or is it that the dysbiotic microbiome favors a more severe disease course? And that is exactly what we try to address also with our study. Dr. Cadwell, let's talk about this study. How did you go about doing this research and uh, what did you find? So we took a two-pronged approach uh, that allowed us to both uh, uh, demonstrate the relevance to humans and the actual COVID patients, but also try to address this exact question that you were asking Jonas about the chicken and the egg and what's causing what. So we took uh, both an approach using animal models and also direct sampling of human specimens from uh, patients who uh, were hospitalized with COVID-19. And with the animal studies, what we're able to do is to uh, restrict our analysis to just the effect of SARS-CoV-2 infection. So we take these mice, we infect them with the virus, we don't give them antibiotics, or and they don't get uh, the cafeteria food from the hospital, right? All they see is the virus. And when we did that, we saw these big changes in the composition of the microbiome, this dysbiosis that Jonas mentioned earlier. So because that's the only manipulation we did to the mice, we know that the virus in principle can affect the microbiome without other factors being involved. So, Dr. Schluter, when you switched to looking at patients where maybe you don't have that same level of control, what did you see there? Yeah, exactly. So, Ken's mouse model has shown that the virus alone can lead to changes in the microbial populations. And when we then went and studied the microbiome in patients, we saw a similar shift in the microbiome. We went to two hospital sites and collected stool samples from patients that are diagnosed uh, with COVID-19. And then we sequence those stool samples and profile the bacterial populations. And then we see sometimes usually rare bacteria expand in these samples. So bacteria that are normally in low abundance or perhaps not, not there at all, expand in these populations, uh, in these samples from these patients. And that is reminiscent of the same patterns that we saw in the mouse model, 
but perhaps even stronger in these patients. So some patients have really entirely depleted microbiomes where there are single species, perhaps the only ones left over in their, in their microbiome. And that is likely due to a combination of effects where both the viral infection and the antibiotic treatments that these patients received contribute to this dysbiosis. Dr. Schluter, uh, translate then what you found. What, what is most significant in your mind about that outcome? Exactly. So going back to our original hypothesis, that's similar to what we have learned from other hospitalized patient populations, in particular cancer patients, that the microbiome, when dysbiotic, can be the source of secondary infections. We went and looked for that in these patients. Now, it's important to know, and that's why the study is significant, the leading cause of death among hospitalized COVID patients right now is nosocomial infections, hospital-acquired bloodstream infections with bacteria. And what we did then is to identify that the gut can indeed be a source of these infections. And we did that by identifying the similar DNA sequences in the bloodstream from bacteria isolated from the bloodstream with the DNA sequence sequenced in the stool sample from the patient. Well, now that you've made uh, that kind of connection, looking forward, what do you think uh, you want to investigate more? What are kind of those key questions that still need to be answered? Yeah, absolutely. In my lab, we are very interested in understanding the ecological interactions between these bacteria to understand and predict perhaps when does dysbiosis happen? How does that happen? And can we stop it from happening? You can think of it really as a, as a garden almost. We try to be gardeners of that ecosystem, understanding who eats whom, who benefits from whom, and then perhaps exert some form of control. And one of those um, measures which we have, one of those means by which we could perhaps exert control would, of course, be dietary interventions. And we're studying, in collaboration with Memorial Sloan Kettering, for example, the effect of dietary contributions to the development of dysbiosis during antibiotic courses. And we see in unpublished data, but hopefully out soon, that dietary intake of sugars, simple sugars, can actually exacerbate the damage that antibiotics cause. Well, that certainly will give, uh, I guess, new meaning to gardening. And we think about the potential for that, Dr. Cadwell. As we uh, think about this and just hearing that, that factoid there about uh, the effect of sugar, for instance, when you, you think about uh, trying to give a, a patient who's had COVID advice uh, about how to heal their guts, is there anything that physicians should be telling patients like that? So uh, that's a really good question. The microbiome field is uh, exciting, but it's relatively uh, young, right? We've known quite a lot about other organs in our body, uh, like the liver, right? But our understanding, at least at the molecular level of the microbiome has uh, really come to fruition uh, most recently. So our ability to manipulate the microbiome and do microbiome targeted therapies is quite rudimentary at the moment. However, what we can do, uh, and this is the mo by far the most effective thing to do, is to prevent injury to the microbiome. And I think that's one of the things that our study really reveals. Uh, if you take yourself back to uh, early 2020 at the height of the pandemic, uh, especially in New York City when the hospitals were uh, overwhelmed and we didn't know too much about COVID-19, uh, the doctors and the nurses were pretty desperate and doing everything they can to try to prevent illness. And that included um, uh, using a lot of antibiotics. 
Now we actually know a little better, and we're hoping that we could target the patients with the right antibiotics, or maybe even not give antibiotics when it's not uh, when there's no uh, danger of a bacterial infection, and that will prevent a lot of the downward downward spiral that uh, Jonas just described to you. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Dr. Schluter, any additional kind of uh, perspective, uh, whether it's uh, in relation to COVID, uh, this either the prevention around damage to the microbiome or the healing part of that um, that you have? Yeah, I would like to echo what Ken has said that there is a level of humbleness that is required with respect to the microbiome. It is a young science, and we need much more causality to really turn the microbiome into a therapeutic target, which is the hope and a huge promise on the horizon. And I'm personally convinced that there will be a future of microbiome-focused medicine, but we are still in the early stages. Now, where do we have certainty? We do have certainty exactly in what Ken said, that antibiotics do harm. And unless there's a specific need to change your microbiome, you probably want to keep it as is. And with that in mind, I think an important message that our study contributes to as well is that antibiotic treatments do not come for free. They do cause collateral damage. And it's an important public health message to, to limit the usage of it as much as that is possible. Do you think, uh, at least according to my Instagram feed, and I may be peculiar, I see a lot of stuff going through there about uh, probiotics, prebiotics, postbiotics. Uh, are we kind of over our skis on that relative to the research, or do you think there's a lot more forthcoming? Dr. Schluter? Well, I would say that this demand shows that there is a real need to fill this, this, this need. Um, people know intuitively that their gut matters a lot for their health, and they're somewhat desperate. Now, whenever there is a huge need and desperation, opportunity arises for more or less honest contributors to this need. And I would leave it at that. I think there's a lot of very good science happening, and then there's some stuff happening that is exploiting this need. Um, I think there is hope on the horizon. Nevertheless. And if I, if I may add just one thing, on, uh, I completely agree with what Jonas said. Uh, we know from uh, the limited success of therapies like micro, um, fecal microbiome transplants that are used to treat C. diff colitis, that targeting the microbiome can improve health, right? And the elements are there, but we're still trying to figure out the rules, right? And I think uh, uh, a, lo a lot more research needs to be done in order to make the uh, microbiome accessible to the type of surgical precision you need to really uh, treat these very complex diseases. There are no long hanging fruits and it's going to just take some very uh, inquisitive minds and hard research in order to figure it out. Well, we'll look forward to uh, seeing that research as it develops. And I want to thank uh, both of you for joining us today and giving us perspective, Dr. Cadwell, Dr. Schluter. Thank you again, and we'll be back soon with another AMA update. In the meantime, you can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care.